This portion of the show is brought to you by Timberline Firearms and Training. Check them out five minutes north of the Flagstaff Mall. The Jeff Orvid Show starts now. This is the Jeff Orvid Show. All right, another jam-packed show for you. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening. Jeff Orvitz here. No Angela today, but I do have Glenn Least coming up here in just a second. Going to get a, a big market update. Market's been kind of crazy lately, kind of on fire lately. Oil prices, we'll get into inflation, get into the Fed and interest rates, unemployment numbers, and let's talk a little GDP growth. Uh, and I love to hear from you. Always enjoy your comments. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Sometimes I even get to it the same day. If not, though, um, we stack them up and we will get to your comments. So please keep them coming. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Uh, hey, if you're thinking about replacing your blinds, call the Blind Brothers. That's what Angela and I did last year. They did a great job of replacing all of our blinds. Uh, they have great pricing. They have great customer service. Mention the Jeff Orvitz show, get half off installation. They did that for us. They, they were perfect. I'm happy with what the Blind Brothers did. And I know a lot of you have used them as well and said that you're so happy with them too. Call them up. The Blind Brothers, 928-634-2423, 928-634-2423, or go to theblindbrothers.com. Joining me is Glenn Least with WT Wealth Management. Get us a market update. Glenn, how you doing? Good, Jeff. How are you? It's been kind of ripping lately, the market. Yeah. Um, yeah. Please tell me exactly where it's going to go and when it's going to top. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, you want me to? Yeah. If you knew, if you knew that, you'd be like sitting on an island somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's um, reasonable <laughs> guesstimations of where I think things are going. Um, I actually think through the end of this year and into next year, I think we can see some strong uh, returns in the market. And I can kind of tell you why I think that way and some of the good news we have. But um, most recently, we saw oil prices come down considerably. Um, we were at a high of $93 a barrel back in September. And now we're right around $77 you know, dollars a barrel. So um, hopefully we see a little bit less pain at the, at the pump. Um, I know it's getting kind of wild there for a minute. Um, I think California got up like $8 a gallon of gas. Ooh. So yeah, that's going to be pricey to drive any kind of larger vehicle. So well, yeah, you know, Phoenix, whenever, even whenever, Phoenix, a place like Phoenix, Glenn, were like five fifty six bucks. I mean, it was, it was getting yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. And that, that does have an impact on a lot of different areas of the economy. I and mean, we've talked about this before when, um, not just the consumer, you know, when they go to fill up, you know, they, have to pay less. That's more money back in their pocket to pay for everything else. That's more expensive. But you know, as oil prices come down, shipping costs come down. Um, you think about how goods get around our country. It's via the you know the railroad and the you know big rigs, and and neither of those work off of solar or you know electric. You know they're 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 petroleum based. They use diesel and gasoline. So um, we'll, hopefully we'll see some you know decreased costs in that area with the lower prices of oil. I was completely off on this, Glenn, because I thought when everything broke out just over a month ago in the Middle East and, you know, Hamas and Palestine attacked Israel and you've seen it kind of expand even and more nations getting involved in this. I thought for sure Middle East, uh, $120, $130 a barrel of oil, and that didn't happen. Is there any it doesn't seem logical to me because so much of the oil still comes from the Middle East. Is it just that nothing got interrupted there in the oil producing countries? But it even st still seems to me like when you have that risk in the region, 
that you would see extremely high priced oil, not the opposite of what we've seen, which is it's coming down. Yeah. And I think most of that is in due in fact from demand, you know, there's still a lot of demand um, and that really hasn't let up. And, and when you ask about, it doesn't make sense. Oil is going to be one of those commodities that, you know, it's kind of a head scratcher because you have OPEC, which basically fixes the price of oil and, and manipulates the market. So whenever you see prices, you know, be acting kind of strange and you're wondering what's the deal, um, you know, they have a huge uh, influence in that. Now, certainly if there's war in those areas and they're not able to produce as much, yeah, that's definitely going to affect prices. But, um, you know, we're not there yet. And so I still would say OPEC and demand are probably the, the two driving factors for oil prices right now. So maybe I should cheap fill up my cheap uh, or my expensive, um, horrible government gas cans right now. <laughs> you know, there's this funny episode of It's Sunny in Philadelphia where the they, they have this uh, scheme where they're going to buy a bunch of gas because gas prices kept going up. And then they were going to uh, hoard it and then sell it later. And so they're driving around with this van with all these barrels of gas in there. And then they realize they're actually losing more money because having to drive it from one place to the next. And, you know, just kind of a funny episode, but yeah, um, it's hard to say. I mean, certainly, uh, if you don't have a fuel efficient vehicle, it's, um, pretty painful at times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for those gas or electric powered. Um, like you said, big rigs, they're coming tomorrow. I hear, um, inflation. No. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. Look, so I bought a sandwich the other day. I won't call out the sandwich shop because I don't think it's really their fault. And this was in Flagstaff right before I headed down and I'm, I'm in Camp Verde today, folks. Um, and it, I bought the sub, just a single sub, normal size that you'd buy for a single person without the chips, without the drink. And I hadn't been into this place for maybe a year, Glenn, and they were like 10 bucks. It was 10 bucks to buy that one just okay sub sandwich. Um, yeah. th- this inflation thing is not going away. In fact, where I think we're at, and let me get your take on this, Glenn. We've transitioned. You remember transitory. And we've reached that new high plateau. There's no way we're going back down to $5 subs. I look at things and I see that things have really gotten close to doubling in a lot of sectors for a lot of prices. Oh, 100%. I mean, um, I I actually think it's funny because the subway had those commercials, a $5 foot long. And I was thinking, how are they going to do that with inflation? They'll be like $5.50 foot long. We don't have time to tell you how inflation works. Just trust us, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big issue, especially Flagstaff more than other regions because the cost of labor is so uh, abnormally high, plus the cost of uh, commercial retail space. Um, you know, I was, I was hearing people going to just your regular McDonald's around the nation and paying 15 bucks for just uh, a burger and, and some fries and a drink. And uh, I think when we think of McDonald's, <laughs> we don't think of those kind of prices. Yeah. You know, we think of the dollar menu or the, you know, $2 or $3 Big Mac. And I think those days are gone. So I do agree with you. I think we're at that higher plateau and I just don't see that coming back down anytime soon. Um, you know, I, I hope it does, but I just, I don't see how that would happen I mean, well, anytime soon. And I wonder, Glenn, what the inflation numbers came out and they're still popping at three point something percent year over year inflation government numbers, of course. So take them for, take that for what it's worth. I, I think it's double that. Let's just assume the Federal Reserve gets back to their target rate of inflation, which is 2%. Well, what does that mean for me? I, I had a sub that I used to buy for 5 bucks. Are you telling me that it's going to stay at 10 bucks? 
you know, indefinitely going forward and plus figure you're going to add 2% per year to that. I mean, we're already a nation that has over a trillion dollars in credit card debt, $33 trillion national debt. I mean, how do you work your way out of this? Yeah. So you hit on a good point. Um, Consumer spending didn't change in the last two years, but yet everything's 20 to 25% higher from just cumulative inflation. Um, and yet we saw the credit card debt grow by about 20, 25% in the last two years. So I think a lot of people were absorbing some of these extra costs, unfortunately, on, on the card. And um, yeah, you make a good point. Yeah, if it's already at that higher price point and it's at 2% inflation moving forward, that just means it's continuing to grow at 2%, not even being taken into an account where it had risen to that high water mark, if you will. Um, so I, I think we're all in for higher prices. And even when we think about stuff that's going on around the world with, you know, tensions and issues going on, um, even though we may not, you and I may not be, you know, called in to fight a war, it's definitely still going to affect us, you know, as far as just costs of everything keep can keep going up. And so that is a reality. And I just don't see inflation. I actually don't even think 2% uh, ongoing inflation is a realistic number because um, it's average inflation. So that means you have to have a period of time where, you know, it's below 2%, uh, especially if you've had higher, you know, uh, inflationary numbers. So um, we'll see. And I guess the Federal Reserve is really gung-ho to say we're going to do 2% and that's our goal. And um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I kind of think 3% might be the new 2%, but that's yeah. just my own personal opinion. Yeah, <laughs> It's like grades in school. Uh, the D is the new C kind of thing, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's interesting because their, their target is 2%, the Federal Reserve. And we're talking with Glenn Least yeah. with WT Wealth Management. It's, it's 2%. So you would need a period of deflation to account for the fact that inflation was running at 9.6% or whatever. So they're not even yeah. talking that. So it's like, yeah, your, your average 2 No, you, you, you can't even get it back to 2%. Now, not even counting for all the inflation that was that's been baked into the cake. Let me let me ask you this, Glenn. The reason the Fed has been raising the interest rates and they raise them the most rapid rate within a one year period in, in history. I mean, it's just yep. every, every every month, quarter point, quarter point, sometimes a half a point. They haven't raised it the past couple of um, Fed meetings. Uh, but the reason why they raised the rates is because they wanted to cool inflation. But like I yep. said, they haven't raised it in the past couple of meetings. So are they sending a signal saying, oh, we've cooled inflation? W- what are they doing? Because it's kind of a mixed message as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so we actually were talking about that in our investment management call. And when I meet with clients, I actually have a chart that shows just how fast interest rates were r- risen in 2022 compared to previously. And it was dramatic. But one of the things that we're talking about is, well, say they hit their target and they don't need to raise rates anymore. If they're trying to maybe stimulate the economy and they cut rates, that'll actually cause inflation to roar back up. So they're kind of in this tough situation where if they, if they kind of let off the gas with raising rates um, too soon, you can see inflation, you know, climb back up, which is the whole reason they were raising rates to begin with. So um, it's, in some ways, they've got a tough job cut out for them as far as getting that under control. And um, certainly us printing more and more money out of thin air is not adding any help to that whole equation. In fact, it makes it a lot worse. Yeah. And I don't see how they get it because if they, like you said, if they start, if they start raising again, everybody's so indebted, the nation's so indebted, the world's so indebted, that's a problem, but that's how you Uh have to fight the inflation. If they, if they hold the same or even start cutting, which is always a potential, especially as you get towards the presidential election, 
that causes, exactly. especially um, uh, big bigger asset prices, let's say housing things, I think that causes uh, more of a price increase, possibly even a big bubble. Um, so I'm not sure which way to go here. And, and let me ask you this, and I I always like to preface it with you because we don't know everybody's individual situation, and we don't, we're don't we not giving individual advice or anything like that. You're, you're listening to two guys talking here um, yeah. because everybody's in a different position. But for me, I'm still in the mindset of if I use things, I'm still buying things. So I, I don't want to go toilet paper crazy again, but if you are going to use toilet paper, which you probably are, I'm still in the mindset of buying extra toothpaste, deodorant, things that I don't think are going to get cheaper in the long run. And I'm like, well, why don't I just do that instead of putting a little extra money in the bank? I've got plenty of product and I need it anyway. And I think it's going to go up. It's not a bad strategy. Um, I think we've all seen the YouTube clips of the um, extreme couponers that are, you know, they show you their little walk-in storage facility in the, you know, somewhere in their house, and they've got a year's worth of toothpaste or a year's worth of all these different products or whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's a tough situation to be in um, because we know these prices are going to go up. Do we try and stock up on the um, consumables that we know we're going to need, especially if they keep going up and up? I think if you've got the ability to do that to some degree, it's not it's not the worst idea I've seen out there. But it's hard to do that with food um, because sure. food is perishable. Uh, non-perishable like deodorant or toothpaste or you know shampoo that can you know has a pretty long shelf life, so that's a little bit easier to do. But you certainly can't do that with food. At least um, maybe canned goods last a lot longer. If you freeze stuff, it lasts longer. But yeah, it's a tough situation that we're in, and um, unfortunately, I don't. I don't know what the Fed's going to do here, but actually you said something that um, I, I do uh, believe will be possible, which is going into the presidential election cycle. The I think the current administration is going to try to get the economy looking really good mm. going into the reelection campaign, because frankly, in my opinion, is that there's a lot of areas of key issues that this administration has not done well. And the polls have shown that they're not happy with the performance. And so at least if you come into reelection with a good economy, you can at least campaign and say, hey, look what we just did for you recently. You know, we were able to, you know, grow the economy or, or make things more robust that way. And I think lowering rates is one way to do it. The other two ways that I thought of that they could do so is um, some sort of student loan debt forgiveness, which it really isn't forgiveness. It's, it's uh, transference onto other taxpayers. Um, the other third option is, you know, maybe the um, current administration could have a 180 on our energy policies and say, hey, let's stop buying oil from all these other nations at these inflated prices let's you know let's extract it out of our own um our own nation and uh you know grow our economy that way and, and help reduce some of the costs but i just don't foresee that happening with the yeah, current administration i don't, don't see it but anything's yeah. possible with flip-flopping politicians all right glenn hang tight um yeah. i want to get into and finish up with the unemployment numbers and gdp uh growth as well and i'd love to hear from you talk with jeff at icloud.com remember if you get a rock chip in your windshield to always call my good friends at diamond auto glass on fourth street in flagstaff first or zip on in by uh, and, and go on in there. The rock ship will spread to the rest of your windshield. They can fix that. Let them take care of it for you. Uh, plus, you, they do the, your whole new windshield if you need that as well. They have the technology to line up all the you know eighty three cameras that you have on your on your vehicle or whatever. Uh, Diamond Auto Glass nine two eight seven seven nine forty one forty nine two eight seven seven nine forty one forty or go to the difference is clear dot com. Back in a minute. 
Hey, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up The Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. You're listening to The Jeff Orbit Show. Don't forget, it is um, Sliders Day at Sportsman's Bar in Grove, the best sports bar in Flagstaff. Uh, they've always got something on their $4 menu so you can get out of there without breaking the bank. They've got some great soups, pozzoli, things like that, and many other things on the $4 menu. Uh, plus, lots of great drink specials at Sportsman's Bar and Grill, just north of downtown Flagstaff, right uh, there by the hospital in the Bashes Shopping Center. Stop on by, get some great food, great drinks, watch some games, have a good time over there at Sportsman's Sportsman's Bar and Grill. Lem Least with uh, WT Wealth Management's here with us, giving us a market update. We've already hit on oil prices, inflation, the Federal Reserve, and what may or may not be coming, according to Glenn's crystal ball, which he does rent out. I'll give you the number, and he'll rent that to you for, what is it, 100000 an hour for the crystal ball? It's a going, <laughs> going right. To work, yeah. <laughs> and batteries not included. Unemployment numbers came out just the other day, surprisingly good employment market is that what yeah, you saw yeah. from it or did i did i miss something i'm sure you dug into it deeper no it's uh you know right at 3.7 percent and um historically unemployment numbers are around 5.7 so we're definitely under historical averages in fact we're at the lowest point in over 50 years now one thing to consider with unemployment numbers is not a perfect metric one thing it doesn't measure um is people that are just no longer trying to, to find work that are no longer applying for unemployment benefits and they've just stopped you know completely um, cause it only measures people that are actively filing for unemployment claims each week. So it's not a perfect tool, um, but it's, it's pretty accurate to tell us. And, and why is it important that people are able to work? Well, if people are able to work, people are able to make money. And people are able to make money, they're out spending that money, which is 70% of our economy, economy is consumer spending. So mm-hmm. we track those numbers quite, quite consistently because that does paint a picture of how the health of the economy. And I've actually heard it said a couple of different times mm-hmm. that it's, near impossible to have really low unemployment numbers and a recession at the same time. They just don't go hand in hand. You have to have people losing their jobs and not being able to work at all to really have a recession take place. Yeah, but it's such a weird world right now. I don't know what's, you know, normal situations or anything because I still go out to place. So you, you, you would think with the unemployment so low, that means there's so many people working that I would like go into a, a restaurant or, you know, a place where I'm expecting you get service and somebody would actually show up or be happy or, you know, you'd go to the counter. I was at one place earlier in the week and they had like a paint counter to mix paint. No one there, no one there. And it's just, this is more and more common where you're not finding the people. So I, I wonder, Glenn, how many people just have dropped off the workforce and are just, no longer in employed at all. I don't know where they're getting the money from, but it just seems like we yeah. have less of a labor pool. Yeah. And that's like I said, that the unemployment numbers that I don't know how you measure the people that have just given up yeah. and uh, what are they doing for work? I don't know. I mean, they're certainly not doing anything um, that generates a probably W2 wage. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably doing under the table work, you know, cash kind of deals, uh, you know, but, there's plenty of ways to make, 
plenty of ways to make money underneath the table that are less than uh, legitimate. So, yeah, yeah, you know. That's true. Okay, final one here, Glenn. I'm talking with Glenn Least. Uh, GDP was another number that came out. I can't remember what it was off offhand, but it was surprisingly strong. And that's a measurement of all the economic activity within the nation. Yeah, no, it, it, it grew at an annual rate of 4.9% in the third quarter of this year, which is really the strongest, uh, fastest growth we've seen since 2021. So, um, you know, that was, you know, good news to see um, that we're being productive as well um, and producing more. And, uh, you know, those are all just good signs for the economy. All this to me, though, leads to, and again, just a guess on my part, folks, leads to more inflation. You're talking higher interest rates. You're talking unemployment numbers that are really low. So it's harder to get help so you have to pay them more, which means the products and services cost more for the end user. And then you got GDP growth that's that's smoking at four point seven or four point something percent. To me, that means you, you might continue. You're gonna. I think you're gonna continue to see inflation going forward. Uh, significant. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And interesting. Um, do you know what minimum wage goes up in Flagstaff uh, come January? Do you know what that number is? Because it's like sixteen eighty, right? Now, uh, correct. We hit it. I think it was going over seventeen. I, I can't remember offhand though it was yeah it's going up again yeah I, I remember when they first started raising minimum wage years ago you know pretty aggressively i had this dream where i was walking into a restaurant and i went to go order something off of the menu and all the the prices had these like little stars next to them and they were like such higher numbers and i was like what is this why is there this star and they're like oh well that's the price because of the higher wages now the burger you know costs at four dollars, it's now five fifty, yep. and I, I just remember that. Like that's like the reality we're living in right now. Is is all these costs of, of certainly food and goods and services have gone up, and um, even in Flagstaff and our local economy continue to grow up, and it just makes it makes it harder for yeah. sure. You yeah. know, when inflation's rising and labor costs are going up, and more and more scrutiny. I mean, um, not to get too down a rabbit hole, but a lot of these places that are doing like online payment processing, like your Venmo's and your cell or different programs are reporting information to the IRS too. So even if you're trying to work those gig economies and trying to hustle and make a couple extra dollars, you end up having to you know pay taxes. I remember actually I paid someone on Venmo, um, and it was over a certain threshold and they had to report it for taxes. And oh, it was yeah. like, I was just reimbursing them for something. I was like, I've got to mark the box gift and the classified as wages. And so that thousand dollars and more like 750. And I felt bad. I was like, geez. But, yeah. Just got to tax it. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're paying on any kind of digital service, there is a digital footprint. <laughs> I mean, people should, uh, people should be aware of that all the time now and cash is dying and continues to die. So, all right. Hey, Glenn, I always appreciate it. Um, we'll get you back in real soon. I appreciate all the updates. A lot of good info- information there. All right. Thank you. All right, and, and folks love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. That's talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. If you want to get your, uh, if you want to save a little bit of money, fix your smartphone by going to Just Wireless right there on Milton Avenue as I-17 comes into Flagstaff. Just Wireless can repair your smartphone, your battery, crack screens, charging ports, all of that, save you a ton of money. Plus, they've got a great line of refurbished phones at Just Wireless. Get more information at JustWirelessAZ.com. Hang tight. More to come. If you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up The Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that.
listening to The Jeff Orovitz Show. This portion of the show is brought to you by my good friends at Namarco's Pizza. Hey, go order online right now at namarcospizza.com. This is The Jeff Orovitz Show. All right, thanks again to Glenn Least for that market update. I want to hit on some news picks, a lot of Arizona items here. I will hold off on the D.C. stuff until the second hour. Mark Howitt's coming in, or calling in, actually, because he's in Flagstaff. I'm in Camp Verde. And um, he drew the short straw to watch the GOP presidential debate last night. So he's going to give his analysis on that, and then we'll hit on a couple other uh, big D.C. issues as well. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com if you got a comment. Uh, one that I noticed here was in Cottonwood, there was a case of swatting. Uh, we've talked about this before. I've had on like Sheriff uh, Jim Driscoll, uh, Coconino County Sheriff, uh, talking about how this has been increasing around the country. Uh, I saw a documentary a year or two ago on Netflix or Prime or one of those where there was a case of swatting called in for a particular house, and it actually then turned it was it was a total hoax, but it turned out that. Uh, I think one or two people got killed. Uh, so what happens is swatting is when somebody makes a false report of, you know, there's a hostage situation here at, at you know, one, two, three, this street or whatever. Um, I saw somebody with a gun. They're shooting at people. Um, I heard screaming and I heard somebody holding a gun to a, you know, lady's head in the, uh, in the window. And they, they do it anonymously, of course, and it's a hoax. Uh, and then, of course, police departments, and this has been going on around the country, move in with the SWAT team, the tactical team, whatever, uh, because they have to take each one of these instances seriously. Uh, it's happening more and more. We've seen it where especially young people will call in a, a hoax, a, a swatting event uh, on somebody maybe that, that was bullying them on, you know, online, on, on, on whatever the – you know, all the social media and this and that, and, and then and then people move in. Uh, happening far too much. So it happened in the Cottonwood, um, which school was this? They just say, I'm looking at Verde Valley Independent Cottonwood, uh, Oak Creek School District Wednesday, yesterday, and there's a full response um, dispatched to 301 North Willard Street. Uh, they said it was a hoax, and... They know it was a juvenile that called it in. I don't see any names. I think they're still investigating this. So crazy times we live in. All this crap always happening. Uh, NAU, Northern Arizona University, has released their first 10-year strategic plan in a couple of 10 years, I guess. Uh, you know NAU has grown tremendously. We've watched the buildings go up over the past, especially 20 years, 10 to 20 years. The university has grown dramatically. Uh, it has had a major impact on housing in Flagstaff because a lot of housing gets sopped up by NAU students who come in. I don't know what the numbers are. So isn't it over 20,000 NAU students now that are living in Flagstaff? So an enormous pressure on the housing market. And uh, NAU now, is they're not looking to grow as much as far as the new buildings. They're going to deferred maintenance, they say. They're going to, you know, repair, renovate something like 23 buildings. They are going to add some buildings about, well, it's a, that's a sizable number, 860,000 square foot of uh, buildings they want to add. A lot of it, though, is more on-campus housing. They want to add another 1,200 beds. But who the heck knows? It might be, you know, another 1,200 students coming in. They may grow some more and require more beds for the incoming students. I kind of thought when COVID hit and people were doing more and more things online, that these universities would start to see 
really negative uh, growth because people realize, hey, I don't have to move. I can do, you know, college from my from my bedroom in my pajamas. I mean, they are kind of doing that, but they're actually going to the university. You know, my daughter Isabel's at NAU and she has a certain number of online classes, even though she's enrolled in the physical campus. Uh, so that's happening, but people are still you know, moving to the town, moving to, to, to Flagstaff, moving to Tempe for ASU, moving to Tucson for U of A. So anyway, going to dump a bunch of mon- more money into NAU, but more in the remodeling or renovation stage going forward. Uh, one university that's having trouble is University of Arizona, and it's they're saying, quote unquote, that it's at financial risk. And it's mainly from hemorrhaging money in their sports department. So they're looking at possibly doing cuts to sports, to various sports, except for probably basketball and football, because those are the two that people actually pay to watch, and there's a big income stream coming. Um, they, here's a quote. They're, they're losing money, and they've been putting a lot of money also into research, which hasn't then resulted in uh, any kind of revenue stream. So they put a ton of money into that. Quote, we made a bet on spending money. Robbins, the U of A president, said we just overshot. They, they, it's easy to spend other people's money time and time again. Yeah, like I said, poured it, into, poured it into research and really flashy stuff. And now, according to them, they have like less than 100 days or something of of, of cash available, you know, for operations and all of that. So don't worry. Don't worry. The um, Arizona taxpayers will surely bail it out because so much money comes from you to fund Arizona's three universities and all the school systems. I mean, the reality is the largest part of the budget down at the Arizona legislature is education, but they always get more. So the legislature will come in and and, and they'll dump a bunch more money into this. Although right now Hobbs just put out a thing saying that we're looking at a budget deficit after many years of growing the budget. In fact, doubling the budget over the past, oh, 10 or so years from $9 billion to $18 billion. So, yeah, we'll see what they do. Um, oh, I didn't talk about this yesterday. In Prescott, you guys had a – I did hit on a couple of your ballot propositions. Uh, one of them that Prescott was looking at passing is changing the mayor's term from two years to four years. Looks like that's failed. I kind of, I don't know, I, I kind of, st- a four-year mayor term isn't too bad. I mean, two years, uh, council members get two years, I'm sorry, four years, and then every two years you're, you're rotating three out, and, you know, there's three up, and then two more years, three up, and the mayor's up every two years, though. Uh, pretty dang short, you're running for re-election again, but voters of Prescott said, uh, nope, we, we don't want to do that. Uh, one more here for you, N- NHS, you know the kind of kooks that, caused a lot of the craziness during the COVID hysterics and insanity. Um, They are going full on crazy now. I mean, they already, this this is like extra plus plus full on crazy. Uh, They put out a memo or directive or whatever for their employees. They probably like this to happen for the whole country. You know, you'd have to follow this, which is not misgendering someone. If someone claims to be a little girl butterfly, you've got to call them by their little girl butterfly name. Even if the dude is 350 pounds with a mustache and a goatee and, you know, just clearly a dude. And if you call that person, hey, man, or uh, uh, he, if you say he, he's, you know, he needs to use the, the men's bathroom. And, and he's like, no, I'm a, I'm a she. I'm wearing a skirt today, even though I'm 350 pounds with a mustache. I'm going into the, the, to the girl's bathroom. Anyone want to join me? Um, you can't misgender those people at, at the nas- National Health Services, the employees. 
And they're allowed to, another thing that came out of this is they use the bathroom of their choice. So, and this is mainly men. This is, this is, this, this is the vast majority of these cases are dudes pretending to be women. Uh, here's a quote. All employees should be addressed by the names and pronouns they use to describe themselves. The email to NHA, NHS employees stated as part of its push for gender identity and non-discrimination guidance that it says protects quote-unquote employee rights and protections related to gender identity all right yippee get it get a job there all right love to hear from you talk with jeff at icloud.com that's talk with jeff at icloud.com hey i've owned physical gold and silver for many years um isn't it time to maybe find more out about owning physical gold and silver why don't you call desert gold exchange uh, ask for Justin or one of his family members will be there to help you out if he's not available. Mention a Jeff Orvitz show. They're going to treat you like gold and they're going to send you a free investor's kit. Learn more about this. Look, I'm not going to tell you how to invest. You should always seek out a financial advisor when making any investment decisions. But I can tell you that Angela and I have been investing in physical gold and silver for a couple decades and we have ordered several times from Desert Gold Exchange right here in Arizona. Give them a call. They deal exclusively in gold and silver, 888 888- 852-4343, 888-852-4343. That's Desert Gold Exchange at 888-852-4343. Back in a minute. listening to the podcast please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there if you're not listening to the podcast subscribe look up the jeff orbit show also on video rumble follow us there and on youtube subscribe we appreciate everyone who's done that This is the Jeff Orovitz Show. Last year, Angela and I refinanced an investment property with Kim Dawson at Nova Home Loans. Nova Home Loans is Arizona's largest privately owned mortgage lender. So they can do things like a bank, but they can also do things like a broker. They can find the best programs for you. If you're maybe a first-time buyer, you may need that program right now. And and you need someone like Kim Dawson and Nova Home Loans to to scour the system and find the best thing out there for you. Mention a Jeff Orovitz Show when you call Kim Dawson if you're doing a refinance finance or new purchase financing and you get $250 off lender's fee at closing. Call Kim Dawson at 928-310-6458, 928-310-6458 or check her out online at novahomeloans.com slash Kim Dawson. Kim Dawson, NMLS 697411, Nova Home Loans, NMLS 3087, BK number 090242, Equal Housing Opportunity, subject to credit approval, terms and conditions may apply. I'm going to hit on a couple of DC items actually right now. And then Mark Howitt will be with us here in hour two, break down the GOP presidential debate last night. And we'll get into some other things as well, I'm sure, as we always do. Uh, let's see. Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin, West Virginia is out. He's another one. There's been quite a few people announcing retirements. I mean, uh, well, Mitt Romney was one of the more, I'm pretty, pretty fine with Mitt Romney leaving the Senate. Joe Manchin's leaving. Um, he says, after months of deliberation and long conversations with my family, I believe in my heart of hearts that I have accomplished what I set out to do for West Virginia. 
I've made one of the toughest decisions of my life and decided that I will not be running for re-election to the United States Senate. Uh, he said this in a statement, but what I will be doing is traveling the country <clears throat> excuse me, and speaking out to see if there is an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle and bring Americans together. Hmm. That might be harder than that. Might be harder than being a senator. I don't know. And is there more to it than that? Um, there had been talk of him possibly being a, a presidential uh, candidate. Uh, I don't know. Is he going to jump into that? It's pretty dang late for that. I know the No Labels Party is looking for somebody uh, to run for president. Uh, so we shall see. But what happens now in West Virginia? is um, it really open because West Virginia is a solid, solid red state. So it's always been kind of strange that they have a Democrat senator. Uh, however, he has been reasonable at times. One of the dumbest things he said, though, it was a few years ago. He was like, no, I'm sorry, a few months ago. He was like, yeah, we got a spending problem. We got to get this house in order. You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was basically saying, hey, you know, we're spending too much money. We got to get this. We got to get this figured out. We got to fix this. And I was like, dude, you're the one that spent all the money. You were all for all the COVID insanity, the $9 trillion and money here, money there, never getting a budget done. Um, and, and he said that, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Are these people that disconnected? But anyway, he'll be out and about roaming the country. Uh, one more here, familiar name in Arizona, obviously our former senator, uh, senator um, former Arizona senator Martha McSally, she says she was sexually assaulted it's from Fox News uh, while on a run in Iowa. Uh, I read a couple of articles. She was saying that she was jogging along, oh, where was this, along the river, Missouri, along the Missouri River uh, at the Iowa-Nebraska border, and somebody came up behind her and grabbed her and groped her. Uh, she broke free, according to reports here, according to what she was saying. Uh, she, you know, t- hit the guy or whatever, broke free. Guy took off, started running away. Uh, she chased him down, and he was in the bushes hiding there, and then she came and she went and called the, uh, called the cops. I don't know if they arrested anyone. Let's see. The incident occurred just before 10.55 a.m. at Council Bluffs, Iowa, near the town Tom Hannafan Rivers Edge Park, blah, blah, blah. That's from the police department. Uh, they responded. The attacker was described as a white or Hispanic man be, be, between 25 and 40 years of age, stocky build. So I guess they did not to catch the guy. Uh, you know, she's a former, she was one of the, she was the first, I think, fighter pilot. She did A-10s. We, I talked about it a couple times uh, with her here on the program. And she was also um, a rape survivor and has actually talked about that on the program here and, and to other media outlets as well. So, man, broad daylight, you know? Broad daylight, ten fifty-five a.m. You know, jogging, and 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 I assume that's a more rural area, um, out there doing some kind of speaking tour or something like that. All right, love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. That's talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Uh, let's see here. Let's get to a couple of comments. This one from YouTube, a little long here. Um, NAH, this is Northern Arizona Healthcare. Yesterday, Angela and I broke down the election where uh, this was Flagstaff, where Northern Arizona Healthcare 
did what I called one of the worst campaigns I've ever seen. And um, they were trying to build a new hospital south of Flagstaff. You've heard all about this. and it was, But it wound up being like 16 stories high. It was really, um, I think that tweaked a lot of people, and it got soundly defeated over 70%. Um, the hospital is a massive long-term investment in Flagstaff. This is a comment on YouTube. Flagstaff is growth-bound and will probably only reach about 90,000 residents in 20 years, whereas the Verde Valley could very well end up at close to 200,000 at current growth rates. Oh, man, please no. <laughs> Keep FMC as it is and make it a secondary hospital to a flagship in Camp Verde. As a Camp Verde guy, I'm not a fan of crazy growth, but a hospital is always needed. And if we are going to have one, we should have one that is uh, state-of-the-art and not take Flagstaff scraps. Uh, give it some thought, but I have heard some rumblings around the Verde Valley that NAH is actually giving it some thought. Um, they will be blocked by Coconino County if they try to move into the county up there as, as the soups are now liberal controlled in the county. Trust me on that one. Like you, I knew the rezone was doomed from the start. Definitely a poorly run campaign should have paid off the wacky environmentalists beforehand, but it wouldn't have happened anyway as Dem liberals vote on emotion no matter what, and they hate the hospital. This was a grievance vote. Well, I, you know, it failed. I think a lot of people on the right voted it down too, though, because it failed by like, uh, you know, 70, 70 plus percent votes just simply because they were trying, they, the council had granted a property right to that one company and, and many others like myself had property rights taken away on heights and things like uh, height limitations and all that. Um, so there was a big issue with, with that um, and many other issues as well. But no, that is interesting. Did I catch a name here? Um, sorry about that. Hang on one second. Um, uh, I think it's Ronald. Ronald, thank you. Um, yeah, it's um, the, the comments about Camp Verde, though, Ooh, and Verde Valley, 200,000. That's, that's such a significant growth. Um, and it starts to get me thinking more about the Idaho property that I should go by in the middle of nowhere because I love Camp Verde Small at 10,000. You know, what's Cottonwood, ten or 12,000, something like that. But the whole region's definitely, everybody I talk to is like, oh, I want to get a place in the Verde Valley. I want to get a place in the Verde Valley. So, yeah, I mean, maybe a hospital, um, may, maybe they're in between Cottonwood and Camp Verde, you know, kind of by that dealership out there somewhere, uh, right off of 260. There's a lot of there's a lot of land right out there, right? Uh, but and then Flagstaff has their same hospital up there on the hill that they've got. Of course, Cottonwood's got a very a smaller regional hospital as well right now, but I guess that could be closed up. Interesting idea. We'll we'll see what happens there. All right, love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. That's talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Uh, don't forget to um, go to zeroresnorthernarizona.com. Uh, get your carpet professionally clean. Don't rent one of those cheesy supermarket store, you know, carpet cleaners that leave it all crusty. Let the professionals take care of this for you. ZeroResNorthernArizona.com. ZeroResNorthernArizona.com. Great special going on right now. Three rooms of carpet for $138. Great deal. Take advantage of that. Plus, ZeroRes cleans the tile, the grout joints, all of that stuff. And they do an excellent, excellent job. ZeroResNorthernArizona.com or call... 928-378-8888. 928-378-8888. That's 928-378-8888. Zero res, northern Arizona.com. Okay, let's pick Mark Howitt's brain next hour. He had to watch the debate last night. He got out the popcorn. Uh, he'll break that one down. Plus, we'll get deeper into 
What are Democrats thinking right now when it comes to Biden? I had an interesting conversation yesterday. I'll share some of those details in just a little bit. Hang tight. Back in a few. This portion of the show is brought to you by Sportsman's Bar and Grill. This is the Jeff Orbit Show. All right, welcome back. Hour two of the show. Mark Howitz here with, I mean, really, usually you're in studio, but you're in Flagstaff. I'm in Camp Verde. You're, you're tired from riding a bike for the last hour. You just got back in. You don't even get tired doing that stuff, do you? No, and I'm trying to stay in shape. You know, we did that big ride from Pittsburgh to D.C., you know, a couple of weeks back now. And I'm just trying to maintain that conditioning, you know. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, that's always a <laughs> tough shape part. Doing 45, 55 miles a day with bags and everything. And um, yeah. that was a really good ride. You know, I found out we finished our ride a day early, which turned out to be really good because the very next day was the terrorist march on D.C. Oh. Um, and we would have been riding right through that because we rode right through the Capitol Mall all the way from uh, the Lincoln Memorial up to the, the Capitol itself. No, oh, that, that would have been crazy. And I know you would have had uh, uh, fun encounters, to say the least. <laughs> and, yeah. and nowadays I get really concerned about anybody being in big crowds. I mean, you heard about that one in London, you know, those, those people that were marching against the Hamas people, and the cops were like, you better watch it, you know. We, we, there's so many of them. We're worried about your yeah. safety. And he was holding up a... Uh, Israeli flag or so I can't remember the exact details and it's just like no I, actually um the British in that thing in London he was holding up a British, oh, British flag, flag okay right <laughs> and they said you, you need to take that down he's like this is Britain this is a British flag that is crazy They're like yeah but we don't have enough cops to stop these terrorist types you know I hope um, people wake up living there, but- I hope people wake up Mark you know I hope they wake up and realize that most countries have been just absolutely infiltrated and hopefully it's not too yep. late where, where you can't even hold your own country's flag. Something is seriously wrong. And, and, and it is. It, it's, it's, it's really sad to see that. Okay. I want to um, get into you drew the short straw and you watched the um, Republican debate last night. So let's get some details on that. Before I do that, though, I want to remind everybody about uh, Kelly Broadus with the Broadus Properties Group brokered by EXP. If I was selling a home right now in the Flagstaff area, I'd call Kelly up. Uh, she's got a great team around her that's going to take the time and sit down and discuss your selling goals, walk you through the whole process. Uh, she's done this for so many people who have gotten top dollar for their home when they're selling their home. Uh, I've given you so many examples. You've you've actually heard guests on the program here. Uh, they're like, yep, I use Kelly too. So why don't you give Kelly a call? You're thinking about selling right now, and the real estate market is still quite hot throughout, the, especially the Flagstaff area and really throughout all of northern Arizona. Uh, here's Kelly's number, 888-446-5602, 888-446-5602. Uh, Google Kelly Broadus, by the way. Um, you can get um, – you'll, you'll see her many great – reviews on on Google and go to her website, northernarizonafinehomes.com. Click on the valuation tab. You can also get instant valuation on your home. That's northernarizonafinehomes.com. All right, Mark. um, All right, so we're talking about flags. I I, kind of want to stick on the flag issue just for a second. Okay, all right. All right, change the uh, subject. I mean, that's fine. As proclaimed by Joe Biden, um, Veterans Day is November 11th Mm -hmm. this year, and uh, that's going to be a Saturday. and so is that right? Saturday. Um, 
No, it's actually anyway. this. It's actually yes, it is this this Saturday. You're correct. Saturday, it's Friday. Right. Yep. A lot of the, the you know the federal employee, you know all the banks Fat, and this and that. Friday observed for yeah for it, federal holiday. Federal employees are off. Banks might be closed on Friday tomorrow. But but, but Veterans Day is on Saturday. I I, I kind of yep. like if you're a veteran, it's like you should get Friday off. But I don't know about sure. the rest of everybody else because Veterans Day is actually Saturday. But whatever. That's right. I digress. I just got my new. I just ordered a new American flag. My old one's got kind of weathered, and uh, you know we're going to put that up over the weekend. Um, you know it's important to fly the flag for these for these days, Veterans Day, Memorial Day. Um, anytime we're celebrating our armed forces and the things, the sacrifices they've made, um, whether they've survived wars or did not survive, absolutely it's to celebrate those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So we. I, I watched the presidential debate last night. And actually, oh wait, I didn't it. know you were done. I want to say that I have a flag oh. down here, but it's kind of tattered. Um, but I still want to fly it. Is that okay? Because I know you've looked at all the rules. Yeah, there is a point where you need to retire them, and okay. uh, I tend to err on the conservative side of retiring them. But um, you know, if it's torn and tattered, it's uh, it looks like it's been through a war. It's time to replace it. Okay, <laughs> and, but uh, in the absence of another flag, I don't have down here. I'd, I'd rather fly that than nothing. That's so right. I will That's fly right. it. Let's make yep. it the last weekend we fly that flag down here, and I will retire it and uh, order up a new flag. So I'll do that. Okay, presidential debate for the Republicans. Who who is there? Okay, so we had we're down to five now: Chris Christie, um, Nikki Haley, uh, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy. I hope I got his name right. Close. And uh, Tim Scott, right? Okay. And so those five. And uh, it was pretty heated debate, especially between Haley and Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. Um, he he made one point that everybody else has missed and has been on my mind lately, and that is not the southern border; it's the northern border. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about the infiltration through the southern border, and that's that's a reality. But Canada let in a huge amount of Muslims, uh, Syrian refugees, into Canada, and not well vetted, and that border is wide open. I mean, if you cross it a major highway, maybe they'll stop you, you know, a road. But there's nothing for the thousands of miles keeping people from just walking through the woods and into our country up there. And, uh, you know, it used to be no problem. But with Canada not vetting people who's coming into their country, they're basically in our country at that point. Yeah, and they're and so letting more people in even than the U.S. They're, they're, they've lost Oh, way it. more. Yeah, lost yep. it even more. How long is the Canadian border? 5,525 5, miles? enormous yeah i mean that's that is that is absolutely enormous and and like you said mark most of it is in very very unpopulated areas i mean you know think about um northern part of north dakota for example i mean there's nothing in these areas so yeah i wonder who's pouring through right exactly with the canadians not being responsible and canada's gone far left you know um very far left and you know, they went nuts with COVID. They, you know, banned guns to a large degree. They've just really just gone off the deep end lately. And they've let in lots of unvetted refugees from the Middle East. And we don't know who's coming in. And it, it's a real danger. And, you know, Vivek was right to point that out. It's like, we're so focused on the southern border, we've forgotten what's going on on our northern border, which is a real threat to our national security and to the potential for future terrorist attacks here in America. Um, did he have if, did he have a solution though for something the enormity that 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 actually is the enormous size that actually is? 
Well, he didn't say it at the at the debate, but there might be a lot of shipping containers available in Arizona that they would send up there. <laughs> I might do it. <laughs> might do it. Yeah, he didn't. Um, you know, he didn't have time to lay out ideas, but just to bring up the topic, I thought was was really right of him to do. That was uh, we get Republican Party is so fixated on just a few issues, and albeit important issues, you know, gun rights. Um whether it be gun rights or abortion or the southern border, and we miss a lot of other issues. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Yeah. And that's not one I've heard much talked about, which is the Canadian border and the amount the of Canadian people that can, can pour in through there. I guess people think, though, that, hey, the southern border, you've got so many countries south of us and so many different entry points. You know, people are coming over on um, you know, uh, ships and stuff, in Brazil, for example, Venezuela, and they're all funneling up country after country. But people think, oh, there's really no way to get to Canada. Well, it doesn't mean they're not going to fly in a bunch of people, which is exactly what they're doing. Exactly what they're doing. And the other problem that was brought up uh, by Vivek was the uh, fentanyl. They were questioning all the candidates about the fentanyl crisis that's going on. And Vivek pointed out the amount coming in over the northern border. Nobody Mm -hmm. thinks about that either. And it's, it's also a problem, whether it comes from the southern or the northern huge problem but we've totally ignored this northern border both immigration and drug wise and uh, it does need to be addressed and a lot of that's going to be working better with canada to get their act together yeah but you just pile that on top of all the stuff on the pile mark and you start like getting completely (laughs) overwhelmed because there's so many things hitting the u.s and the world at once and it, it becomes what do you deal with what do you what do you prioritize um, and, yep. and I think it's just become it's so huge that we're getting to the point where it's unmanageable and we're not able to do it. I, I don't I don't know what the solution for that is. You know, I think focusing more at home than abroad is probably a good idea um, because we've got so many problems right here. Yeah. And the, the point came up that we can't fight wars on three continents. You know, we can't be involved in. Uh, a European war with the Russians, Middle East war, you know, getting tied in with Israel, and then in the Far East with China and Taiwan. We just can't do all that. Yeah. It's not possible. Yeah. You know, if we go back to World War II when the U.S. was involved with that, we were, we got in pretty heavy, but we were still a small player overall. Our, our number of casualties was much less than the rest of the Allies, and we had Allies fighting, you know, in all these different theaters. We can't do it ourselves. I'm, it's just not possible. I'm glad Mark and Mark Howard's with us. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. I was um, doing a little reading and listening to some other podcasts here over the past couple of days. And the subject of World War II came up a couple times uh, in the comparison of where we're at right now in like kind of history repeating itself from the World War One period to the World War Two period. And a lot of talk comes up of, of Britain. You know, we often talk about how the U.S. is like, oh, the people mentioned the Roman Empire and oh, we're, we're like falling and crashing like the Roman Empire. And I think that the more appropriate comparison is the British Empire um, for, yep. for many reasons. When we got into, first of all, World War one, we got in at the very tail end after there was, quite frankly, exhaustion on both sides financially, uh, resources, manpower, etc. Uh, same thing with World War II. It was quite a bit later, and we were that tipping point. And when we got into each of those conflicts, we were very stable financially, even though World War II is you know, the, uh, the end of the Great Depression when we got in there. 
We didn't yep. have the debt to GDP that we have right now. We didn't have the, the amount of debt. Now, after during World War II, the debt did rise to levels that are pretty similar. But we're mm-hmm. starting at that point right now. If if you think it's like 1939 right now or 1942-like, which I don't think it is. I think it's more like the early 1930s where these other nations are um, attacking other areas. And you, know, you think about back to the 30s, you had Japan starting to get into China and other areas, uh, Italy, you name it. Um, I think yep. we're more in kind of that time frame. But we were much more financially stable. We had – a a much bigger well, industrial base. Go ahead. That's what I was going to say. Is our industrial base, our manufacturing capacity was much better, and the ability to ramp it up was much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't even have that ramp up ability right now. We we yeah. we actually have a sh- a shell problem, Mark. Um, I'm talking artillery shells, which yep. is the mainstay of battles. We can't keep up with that production. Um, it's a real problem. And back then we were able to, to, to gear up back then during World War II, there was so much ordinance, so much conventional ordinance dropped. We don't even have that capacity anymore to produce that kind. Um, we've got capacity to produce some nuclear bombs and stuff, but nobody wants to go to a, a nuclear war. If it's, if, if we're heading towards a conventional war, I'm sorry to divert from the presidential, uh, you know, primary here, but <laughs> well, no, this or, was that, this actually got talked about okay. a lot last night. Is, Go ahead. What did, that, what did they say? I'll stop. What did they say? Well, one of the questions was about our navy. You know, we're I think we're standing at around 300 ships, uh, maybe a little 280 or something like this. Uh, the Chinese are quickly headed towards 600 ships, and what are we going to do? They're going to be the largest. If they're not already past us at this point, mm. largest navy in the world. And granted, we have high tech. Uh, weapons, you know, much more advanced weapons than they do. But that's there comes a point where you just need more stuff. You you need more ships, you need more submarines, you need more just bullets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially with an adversary like China that has four times the population, more than four times the population, and the manufacturing and capacity, has, and an enormous manufacturing capacity. I mean, they are the manufacturers of the world. It's incredible what they can do. They can ramp up their number of ships in no time. And it comes to point, yeah, maybe we one of our ships can sink two, three, four of their ships, but if they just keep turning them out and turning them out, it's just when, – when the Japanese attacked America back in <clears throat> Pearl Harbor, they realized they unleashed a monster because they had no way to stop our manufacturing capacity. And they realized – and, you know, their famous general, I forget his name now, but um, he warned them. He said, hey, look, we're attacking America, and there's nothing we can do basically to stop their manufacturing capacity. They can just ramp up everything and come to war against us. They have the oil we need. You know, the Japanese, part of the reason for their war was they were after oil yeah. um, to keep their war going. We didn't have that problem. We had plenty of oil here, plenty of coal here, plenty of steel, everything we needed here to ramp up. And uh, the Japanese realized they had made a huge mistake in attacking us. And especially after they lost Midway, um, the battle after Pearl Harbor. Yeah, it was a, it was, really, a, it was a Hail Mary. They were hoping to, to really knock out Pearl Harbor 100%, and they, they failed to do that. And they knew if they didn't do that, they, they had trouble. Yep. But it was a Hail Mary because they didn't have that capacity, like you said, for the resources and all that. And we were also cutting them off. There was an embargo at that point. But we had, yep. you know, we still, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, we still have so much power, so much might, um, so much economic activity. But we don't really have the manufacturing capacity anymore here. I was listening to somebody else. They were talking about just a company like Apple, for example, 
and you know, relations with China has become really rough. Apple moved so many of their manufacturing facilities over there. What the what? Are, what are they still valued at? Like the highest in in the world as far as their company value. What happens if there were tensions that really went over the top within you know a couple months? What what would a company like Apple do? I mean, it's not exactly. like a bomb or something, but it's still everybody. So many people rely on Apple products. That's just one company. And they're all yep. over there. I mean, it's just, it's crazy the position we put ourselves in. All right, Mark, I want to get into this more. Uh, hang tight, though, for a second. And if you got a comment, love to hear from you. I'll try to slip it in here uh, today still, see if I still got time for that. If not, we'll get them on uh, tomorrow's program. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Uh, don't forget to, uh, Go online to zeroresnorthernarizona.com. Um, great deal going on right now. Three rooms of carpet for only 138 bucks. Uh, also, deep cleaning of tile and those grout joints, so you don't have to go down and scrub them with a toothbrush. Let zeroresnorthernarizona.com do that. Hey, that might be a good... Uh, Good early Christmas present coming up here. Or if you're getting, you're, you're planning on having guests coming over for Thanksgiving, go ahead and do that. It's 69 bucks a room. Really good deal there. Uh, get more info by calling zero res northern arizona.com at 928 378 8888. That's 928 378 8888. Back in a minute. If you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up the Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. You're listening to the Jeff Orbit Show. Angela and I switched over to most of our policies now, Eric Boatner, Allstate Agency, um, over the past couple of years. Uh, they've done a great job. Great customer service with Eric Boatner, Allstate Agency, uh, 928-774-8722. If you want to give Eric and Lisa a call, 928-774-8722. Uh, whether you're doing home, auto, motorcycle, RV, off-road vehicles, boats, business owner policy, life insurance, call Eric Boatner. All state agency, 928-774-8720. Mark Howitz here with me. I think I cut Eric Boatner's number off. 928-774-8722. Mark, I, was yelling, I got my portable set up down here in Camp Verde. I was yelling at the dog. It's barking away. <laughs> she goes crazy over these um, over these squirrels. You know, she oh, just, every she, dog does. Yeah, just goes just does. goes nuts. Uh, we're talking about last night's GOP uh, debate, five members there. Um, Mark, give us another big topic here that they hit on. Okay, so... Abortion was obviously one of them, and especially with Ohio just um, basically enshrining abortion into their constitution in this uh, you know this election last Tuesday. Um, it was a hot topic, and the question came around: you know, if would you be for a federal ban? And Nikki Haley dodged again, uh, saying it's just it would never pass. There's no reason to even talk about it. And they're like, and they tried to narrow the question down to her and say. If it came up, would you sign it? You know, if a bill came on your desk, and she said, "Well, then no bill would ever come on my desk," so she kind of dodged. Um, <laughs> you can still answer it, though. It, what if it comes up? What if, right? Yeah. Where do you stand? And, uh, you know, Senator Tim Scott, he um, he said he would be for a 15-week federal ban, 
And, um, you know, one, one thing that catches my attention on that, if you did some kind of federal ban, would it be 15 week minimum ban? In other words, allowing states to also ban even more, or would it be 15 weeks and no state could change that? You know what I'm saying? So, well, here's, here's the thing, Mark, and I know where you stand on this issue. You know where I stand on this issue. Um, I don't I think it's good to ask her the question, all of them the question is like, would you sign this? And my answer and your answer would be, well, heck yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Or just, you don't even have to say anything. Yes, yes, I'd sign that. But the reality is, she should also say, and the other should say is, this actually probably, I would sign it, yes, but it's probably unconstitutional because of the Dobbs decision. And it's it's actually right. a, state's, a state issue. So the states can decide to do this because I think with the Dobbs decision, it's, it's a federal ban or regulation on it would probably be thrown out with, you know, once they get it to the Supreme court. That's probably true. Um, unless they gave another decision that, uh, reinterpreted yet, which is always possible. That's always possible too. But, but I think if, if these politicians were to be forthright with us, so Mark, it's like, yeah, I'd sign that, but here is the reality and we should work with the States to try to get in place 12 or 15 week bans, right? At a, at a minimum, yep. which kind of did it surprise you the other day, uh, Ohio? Yeah, it, it did. And it didn't. Mm. Um, I, I think, and this was pointed out in the debate. I think the Republicans have really been just dropping the ball on getting out the vote all the time. They just don't do a good job. The Democrat party really does politics. Well, and I think Bruce was saying that earlier this week. Yeah. The Republicans don't. They just don't. They don't get out the vote well. They fight against each other. You know, the Democrats are well united and well set to do evil together. <laughs> you know, they're just like, we're going to pick the worst platform possible and we're going for it. And the Republicans just fight amongst themselves and don't really rally around a strong platform and say, hey, either you're on board or you're not, or get out of the party. You know, the mm-hmm. Democrats are like that. Like, get on board or get out. And, uh, the Republicans are really lacking that way. And that comes down to state votes. They, they don't get the vote turnout, you know, and they don't inform people well enough. If there's an issue that's coming up, a hot topic like abortion, the Democrats are really good about getting the, the people out yeah. and calling up their voters. Hey, make sure you vote. The Republicans just are not as good at that. They're just not, well, let me unfortunately. Hit, let me hit on two points here, and then I got, I got to take a quick break. We'll follow up a little more talking with Mark Howitt. Um, the turnout, if I just look at Flagstaff, I mean, I, I don't think we should read too much into all of this just yet because it is. It, these are very low turnout elections when you're talking uh, off November year. off year. I mean, there's no big races. To, there's no big things to draw anybody out, except for a couple states had some governorship things up. And what was it, two or three? Not a lot. If you just look at Flagstaff, for example, which we covered extensively yesterday on the program, the outcome of all that, uh, there was like 15,000 votes or so. And on a normal like presidential year, there's 25, 28,000. So the turnout's low because people aren't, um, you know, super excited about all the issues. I think that'll change dramatically coming up. Um, to whose favor, I guess, I guess we'll see. But when we come back, Mark, I want to share just a, a quick story with you about a Democrat that I did talk to yesterday. 
that might throw a little bit of cold water on what you're saying as far as, you know, Democrats are all, all kind of rowing together. Um, I, I see some cracks in that. Uh, I don't know if it'll form into a big fissure or anything. Probably not. But let's hit on that Probably in just not. a second. Yeah. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Remember, if you got to get your smartphone repaired, go to Just Wireless right on Milton Avenue there as I-17 comes into Flagstaff. So no, no matter where you're coming from, northern Arizona, it's going to be worth it to stop by Just Wireless to fix your smartphone new battery, uh, fix your charging port, crack screens is a big one. Uh, stop on by there, save some money. Plus, Just Wireless has a great line of refurbished phones, good for the environment, good for you to save some money as well, and they've got all kinds of accessories there, there too. Stop on by Just Wireless and check them out at JustWirelessAZ.com. Back in a minute. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up The Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. Listening to the Jeff Orovitz Show. This is the Jeff Orovitz Show. All right, welcome back. Mark Howitz here with me, or at least by phone today. He's not tired at all after doing an hour bike ride. I'm, I didn't finish my story earlier. I've been working on the roof and I'm feeling it in my legs going up and down a ladder all day. So. I'll need a I'll need a good uh, good night's sleep after this. Good workout though. Um, talking about last night's GOP debate, which I admit I did not watch. Um, I I don't know. I just I haven't gotten excited about this stuff because I. Bottom line here, Mark, Trump's Trump's going to be the nominee. Don't you think? Still think that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, huh. he's definitely polling well, but the thing is, will they have him locked up, or you know? So fined and 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 uh, you know basically barred from running for president. Is it possible you know they make him a felon before mm. you know the the primary is finished? It's possible and might even be their goal. In which case you're going to be stuck for better or worse with one of the five people that were up on the debate stage last night. You know whether it was Chris Christie, Nikki yes. Haley, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, or uh, Tim Scott. You know. Wow. And I, and I went through, I'm like, you know, if I had my choice, regardless of how charismatic I think they are, or how well, I, how good of a chance I think they have a winning, which one would I choose if I could just take one of them and put them in office as president? Yeah. And uh, after the debate, I, I'm still really attracted to Tim Scott. Um, he, he just seems like a really solid guy. I like everything he says. Um, he just seems like a good one. Mm. If I didn't have him, I think uh, Ron DeSantis would be my guy. Yeah, uh, the five up there. Well, you know, I don't like Chris Christie. He's a he's an East Coast conservative, which is kind of like being a West Coast conservative. California You're really, Republican, yeah, New Jersey Republican, right. yep, New Jersey Republican. Um, and I'd still take him over a Biden or a Newsom or a Harris or whoever. You know, um, oh, okay. would take if, any one of those. Okay, people. if you put it that way, Mark. If I've if my choice, well, okay, let's just assume. Let's say, let's say Trump, let me rewind here for a second. You said that hey, they want to get him locked up and they want to put him in jail. If I was them strategically, I wouldn't want to do that because if you look at the numbers, if you look at the polling numbers and this and that, 
uh, Trump probably does worse in the general election than any of the others that you mentioned. Um, and I had a conversation with a, a um, Democrat yesterday who is a diehard, I wouldn't say super leftist or anything like that, but definitely a, a long-term, long-time Democrat, um, yep. very supportive of Biden, was very supportive of, of Biden, can't stand Trump. And the, the question that came up was, or the point that this person made to me was, I wish this guy would get out, talking about Biden. And this is someone who was a strong Biden supporter just not, not too long ago. It was like, there's an age problem here. There's a, there's a cognitive problem here. This, basically, this guy is an utter train wreck, and I can't believe that he hasn't backed out. We've got to get somebody else in there. Um, and, but then I asked him, I said, well, would you vote for, so it's Trump versus Biden. And they said, they said Biden. Even though they just yep. said Biden's a total train wreck and you know, doesn't know up from down or anything at this point. Still, yeah, if you, I mean, that comes to the point we talk about on, the, on your show all the time is 40% of people, no matter what, they would vote for a dead Biden before they'd vote for a Republican. Weekend, 40% of, of, weekend of Bernie's, yeah. Yeah, th- exactly. And there's 40% that are always going to vote Republican. It's that middle 20 that makes the election. If you can, what you, how many of that middle 20% of America that you attract determines whether you win or lose? And I think Trump has a real problem with that middle 20. And the question is, which one of these five Republicans could attract that middle 20, 20 percent and uh, without losing some on the far right? And I don't think it's Chris Christie. No, Um, I don't think it's Nikki Haley, honestly. Uh, I don't think, you know, as much as it sounds misogynist or whatever, I don't think America will choose a woman candidate over a male candidate. Hmm. I just don't think it's. Americans, if we look historically, obviously all presidents have been men, and they've all been over six foot tall. It's, Americans want have they that, been, that, have they all been over six foot tall? All over six foot tall. Oh, wait. Huh. that's interesting. And Nikki Nikki Haley's gone to wearing, and she even said it last night, wearing five inch heels, which puts her up as high as all the other guys up on stage, like five uh, nine. <laughs> yeah. People people just don't they want tall. They want that image of a tall, strong leader. Tall, and it's always a six foot. Mm. Yep, and I don't think that's about to change anytime real soon. Is that why they keep picking uh, on Ron DeSantis's, you know, um, extra uh, heighteners or whatever it's called that they, they claim he's <laughs> wearing or whatever? Yeah, I've never thought about yeah. it. I've never measured them up. I know Trump's a tall guy. George Washington yep. was a tall guy. I just, you just don't. I guess I don't think about it. But there's a, a yep. charisma issue there. Um, I, I think DeSantis has the leadership capability, and he's proven himself pretty good in Florida. But for some reason, he just hasn't really super taken off. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy just maybe, but totally untried in really any way as far as a you know young leadership position. Chris Christie yep. is I always refer to him as Boss Tweed. He just kind of he has that presence of a bloated, corrupt New Jersey politician to me, like just in, a, in, a, in an East Coast or California-esque type um, rhino-type Republican. Tim Scott, it's just no name. I just don't know anything about him. So that really leaves, I think, the, the two candidates up there as an alternative to Trump, in my opinion, that people are looking at are Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Nikki Haley, I think she's a bit of a warmonger for me. You know, I think we got we talked about the problems we have as a country earlier. I think she'd she'd like to, us to be involved in every conflict everywhere. 
Yeah, that is that is an issue, and that came up. You know, Vivek's on the opposite side. He's saying, you know, we need to have less of these wars, less involved in in Ukraine, and focus those dollars back home. You know, dealing with our border, dealing with our you know crime issue, whatever it is, at home, because um, we only have so much money to spend. <laughs> we can't keep going down this road of borrow, 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 borrow. Um, that creates intense inflation, which in turn hurts the poor and the middle class and those who are on retirement. But you know, I think Vivek's got that appeal. He's, he's a young guy. He is—he sounded the most informed of anybody up on the stage. Him and Tim Scott both mm. sounded like they did their homework. Sounded like they knew what they were talking about. Sound, you know, you could tell they did their research. Uh, you know, the other three were kind of relying on what they already knew, and uh, Vivek really blew them all away as somebody who you could tell did his homework. Now, I'm not in love with the guy, but I can tell he—he's got a brain and he thinks and he researches. And he's a young guy, you know, he's 38 years old, which has some advantages in an election like this. You know, people are getting tired of these, <laughs> what are they, octogenarians? Is that what they call them? 80-year-olds? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's just, I, I mean, and that's right. the two front runners are both, what, how old is Trump, 77 or something? I mean, like that, yeah. he's going to yeah, be in his, he, 80s. He his 80s. Yeah, yep. so people are fed up with that. Um, I'm still fine with Trump. He's still got it, in in my opinion. Um, he's not like Biden, but you do get concerned, though. You start getting into your early 80s, and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know how this is going to go, Mark, because, it, yeah, what if you, – you, you and I have talked about this before – Trump will probably get nabbed on something with all these indictments. That would be very statistically odd for something not to, um, for them not to hit on something. Yeah. Something sticks if you throw it up at the wall, right? So, you know, going back to these five people on the debate, for me, what makes a person is one that, you know, their religion, their faith, two, their, their upbringing, their home life, and three, the people they surround themselves with. And so, with all five of these candidates, you have to consider, you know, what is, what's been their background as far as their faith? What's been their, their home life? What's been, who have they surrounded with themselves with friends wise, politically, who are the, you know, who's their inner circle. And uh, a couple of things surprised me. And what I didn't know was Nikki Haley is also from, she's of Indian descent. She, her parents were Indian immigrants from India. From In, India, the country. Okay. Yeah. So you think of Vivek as obviously Indian mm-hmm. um, just because of his appearance and he's Hindu, but, Nikki is also from India. I, didn't, and, I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know well, that. Well, her, her two parents are, yep. Okay, and, uh, interesting. They moved to, uh, and they were Sikhs, which are a, a group in kind of north, northwest mm-hmm. India. Okay, yep. Um, and she was Sikh by religion, married a Methodist guy, sort of is now this Sikh Methodist type person. So that's that's her religious background. You know, Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, both Catholics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Christie, maybe less so important, you know, there's Catholics like you. Know, there's Joe Biden Catholics. You know, they mm-hmm. don't align with their their religion, but that's what they claim as religion. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole abortion <laughs> issue puts it out the window. Right. You know. <laughs> yep. So you got two Catholics. You got Christie and and DeSantis. You got uh, a Sikh Methodist and and Nikki Haley. You've got uh, um, Tim Scott, who's an evangelical Protestant, Protestant guy, and you've got Vivek, who's a Hindu. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Interesting. So I take that into account. I'm like, you know, part of what your decision making is going to be yeah. as president is what you believe. You know what what is your religion? What do you believe about God? What is your what is your training? Your upbringing? Was it the Bible? Was it Hindu texts? Uh, the Catholic Church? Was it Islam? You know, was it the Quran? You know, yeah. 
Yeah. What's your background? And that's going to affect your decision making. It's interesting, Mark, though, because what you just described is something that the Democrats always claim, which is, oh, look at this diverse group. And that's actually a pretty what you just described is actually a pretty pretty diverse group there, at least from religious basis and background basis. And then you've got Biden over there and a couple other Democrats running for president. They won't even have a debate. They're not even doing anything like that. Um, And I don't even, is there even a woman running on the Democrat side? I don't even think there is. Uh, I mean, there's... No, but who was it announced they were running? Oh, some congress, some no-name congressman. I mean, at least he put his hat in the ring. I mean, that's fine. Um, It's interesting. We'll see what happens. Okay, so um, another debate coming, I would imagine. I will wait and see what happens with Trump, and then if I'm forced to, I'll go back and watch all the debates. (laughs) You know, just watch them on YouTube because at this point, I don't see you know a a ton of um, a ton of need yet. But I'll rely on you to keep watching this. Mark, stick around. I just want to get your take on the especially the Flagstaff election. I wanted you to have a shot at that one real quick. We'll have just a few minutes when we come back. Hang tight. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. At this point, I'll work on getting your comments on uh, the big weekly roundup uh, tomorrow, the end of the week. Uh, Diamond Auto Glass, hey, if you get a rock chip in your windshield, you know, I've been going there for years. Me and Angela have used Diamond Auto Glass to fix those rock chips, do it before it spreads through the rest of your windshield, or you get pulled over. You can actually get pulled over when you have that crack or chip right in your line of sight. Uh, You can also get a brand-new windshield from Diamond. They'll take care of that for you. They'll work with your insurance company. Great Northern Arizona company. Um, Great Flagstaff company right there on 4th Street. Give them a call. Diamond Auto Glass, 928-779-4140. That's 928-779-4140. Or go to thedifferenceisclear.com. Back in just a minute. listening to the podcast please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there if you're not listening to the podcast subscribe look up the jeff orbit show also on video rumble follow us there and on youtube subscribe we appreciate everyone who's done that this is the jeff orbit show if you're looking for new blinds, shutters, or shades, hey, call my friends at the Blind Brothers. That's what Angela and I did last year. They did a great job for us replacing the blinds in our home. Great price. Did a great job installing them as well. If you mention a Jeff Orvitz show when you call, you get half off installation. 928-634-2423. That's 928-634-2423. Or go online, get more information at theblindbrothers.com. Go ahead and do that right now and get some of the best service that you're going to get in northern arizona theblindbrothers.com all right mark howitz here with me love to hear from you talk with jeff at icloud.com so let's switch gears here mark you were very vocal on the flagstaff election and the hospital uh i got very vocal on that one as well so did angela we we uh, did a big breakdown of that election yesterday were you surprised by the outcome and the crushing of the expansion of the hospital the, the zoning change uh, the outcome, no, but the crushing, yes. I was predicting maybe around 60%. Yeah, that's where and, I was uh, at too, yeah. 
the hospital, I mean, question 480, uh, which was rezoning the land, uh, failed by 70, over 72%. Uh, voters just rejected that hospital idea. You know, we're talking almost three quarters of voters, yeah. you know, three out of four almost. Left and um, right, they all came together on that one. Yeah, nobody was really happy with that idea. Uh, and there's reasons why. I mean, you pointed out a lot of them on your show. They, you know, they're talking about a seven-story hospital, but it's actually 160 feet tall. And, uh, you know, they're talking about a whole hospital village. You know, they're getting, it was a real estate development. It wasn't health care. And uh, people rejected. They saw through the, the fraudulent ads, and uh, they rejected it really hard. Yeah, and, uh, I, you know, Mark, I didn't reject it for the sake of expanding the hospital. I could care less if they expand or don't expand, quite honestly. I rejected it simply on the zoning question, which is what people should have asked, which is this land is zoned for residential. Do you want residential or commercial there? And do you approve that change? That's, that's you know, they didn't have that vested property right there. Yep. I probably could have gone for it had it been just that, but but they pissed me off, um, the, especially the city council, by giving them a waiver of 160 feet. If we're going to go 160 feet, which is 16 stories in my world, then everybody has that right in a commercial, like the uh, community commercial zone or whatever, should be able to go. Everybody gets 16 stories then. I shouldn't have to go to the council and change that. If you're going to change it, I hate special exemptions for the politically connected. I hate it. Yes. Or for donations. You know, a lot of times the city will make exemptions if you say, hey, we're going to make affordable housing as part of this development. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you, yeah. you delegate three, four, five houses, whatever it is. You know, that's how we ended up with a gated community in Flagstaff. They, they yep. gave the city a bunch of land. I told the city, I'm like, that is a bribe. When you change the rules for someone because you receive something of value, that is the definition of a bribe. It's a legal, yep. legal bribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Live by different rules. That's what I don't like. It's like, like I said, fine. Everybody gets 16 stories, you know, if yep. you have that type of zoning. And that's, uh, that's to me, I, I hate that. Uh, I just, I yep. can't stand it when they do that. And it, it just, it just ticks me off. And it ticked off a lot of other voters as well. This council's really out of touch though. It's amazing. They tried to let people from outside the city join commissions. It's like, okay. <laughs> just you don't even need to be a resident of the city anymore and people wholeheartedly rejected that that was like 80 percent that that thing failed by that was bad yep. what were they thinking yeah it's what are they, yeah what are they thinking it's you know they, there was two issues on there one is allowing people outside of the city to sit on commissions and boards and the other was allowing high officials in the city to live outside the city limits yeah <laughs> you know your, your police chief your head of your water department no, yeah, you no. need to have a vested interest. You need to be suffering with the people inside the city and feel their pain if you're going to be making decisions for them. Yeah. When I drive in that pothole, I want you to feel the same pain and you're part of the city and not just some six-figured salaried person. All right, Mark, get you. Well, you're gone again coming up. So um, we'll get you in after you get back after uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Get all yeah, caught up. Time for Thanksgiving, God willing, and uh, – you know, that's, it's my favorite holiday because it's not commercialized. You know, if you're an employer, I'm telling you right now, you better let all your people off on, on Thanksgiving. Don't be open on Thanksgiving. It's the one holiday where it's, it's just not about gifts and buying. It's just about giving thanks. Let everybody stay home and, and give thanks for their family. And I'm glad also that Black Friday has kind of died away over the years. And it's like, you know, the, the mad, it's still there to a degree, but not like it was. So it's, it was getting to the point where Thursday 
Thanksgiving evening people were going out, and I was like, no, stop that. So spend time with family. All right, Mark. Hey, always appreciate it. Be safe out there, and I'll talk with you soon. Thanks, Jeff. All right, and I'll see you guys all tomorrow. Take care. Have a good night. See you.